I'm Professor Penny Endersby and I'm the Chief Executive of the Met Office. So you were at COP26, what are your hopes of COP27? So it was a terrific privilege to be at COP26 and that was all about keeping 1.5 alive. And I think my hopes for COP27 do start with that, that the pledges that were made there are honoured and strengthened because we really, really need to start bending the curve. And I'm just beginning to see some evidence that perhaps humankind's global carbon emissions have peaked, which we desperately need to do. We can't go down before we've topped out. But beyond that, I think COP27 is really going to be focused on the loss and damage as well. And that's a very important thing, which I know Egypt is, is keen to push forward with. And from the Met Office point of view, some of what we're working on and will be presenting there is related to that, particularly the international weather and climate community is really pushing for improved early warning for severe weather events that's equitable ac across the planet so that everybody can be warned and get out of the way of extreme weather. And on that note, what sort of research um, is the Met Office doing around climate change? So the Met Office is Hadley Centre for Climate Change was actually opened by Margaret Thatcher in 1990. So COP, had it been in, in 2020, <laughs> would have been its 30th anniversary. And when it was set up, it was really set up to answer um, three questions. Is climate change real? Is it man-made? And what should we do about it? And questions one and two are dealt with now. So we are not spending any more time proving that climate change is happening or that it's caused by man-made carbon emissions. That is a, gi a given. Um, so the work we are doing uh, is now focused on still some better understanding of the complex aspects of the whole Earth climate system. But a lot of our work is actually focused on what we call resilient paths to net zero. And that's looking at the impact of different climate pathways that humankind might choose and the impact of climate change in the UK and around the globe and, and what we can expect as we follow those pathways to try to fulfil the Met Office purpose, which is helping people to make better decisions to stay safe and thrive. And yeah, again, just still focused on the Met Office as an institution. What's, what's happening here to help you reduce your carbon footprint? What are your plans? So we think it's really important that if we're going to talk the talk, we walk the walk. And we are well on the way to being a net zero organisation by 2030. And that's a journey we started on a couple of years ago now. Um, one of the, the rather big dirty secrets that the, the climate change science community don't talk about too much is that weather and climate modelling requires huge amounts of supercompute and that consumes huge amounts of power. So our existing supercomputer in, in this building in Exeter, um, we switched over to renewable energy about 18 months ago, and that actually took out about half our carbon footprint. But then that exposed all the rest of it. <laughs> um, and so we're really working through a very evidence-based stepwise process to get rid of it all. This whole building now runs on renewables. We've taken out all the gas. But then there's some things that affect us all. So our, our business travel and um, some of those things are sort of, you can't get rid of them completely. So we anticipate that at net zero, we'll still be offsetting a certain amount to begin with. Uh, but we're reducing our business travel by 40% over the period. And we're trying to do that as equitably as we can between groups. So every group, including the executive, has a carbon budget that shrinks a little every year. Um, and we have to share our travel out within that pot between us. Really exciting and such a good example for other 
institutions to follow. So thank you. And on a more personal note, with regards to the climate crisis, what are you most concerned about? I am very concerned that we are running out of time to avoid the worst impacts. We have to stabilise the climate and to do that we have to get to net zero and there will and even then we are already in a, a changed climate we are undoubtedly seeing the impacts of it all over the world and we undoubtedly saw some of them in the UK this summer. And just like we mentioned before climate justice is social justice so how how for you does that all um, fit together? The more I've looked into it, the more unjust I realise climate change is. And I think lots of us are aware that it's rich Western nations that have basically burnt all the carbon and the worst impacts fall soonest on the poor nations that haven't burnt the carbon. And, and that's one aspect of the injustice and what some of the loss and damage debates are about. Um, but within every population, um, the richest in society consume more carbon, including in in nations like ours, about three times the carbon footprint between the richest and the poorest. And in every society, the most vulnerable are the least able to cope with the impacts, less able to get themselves out of the way and, and buy themselves out of trouble. It's obviously deeply unjust between generations. So um, it's mm. the young people in society who will uh, have to live more with the consequences than old people like me. Um, and they're not the ones who've been burning all the carbon either. Uh, so it, there's, there are injustices in so many ways. So finding that route um, to make sure that there, there are positive futures for everybody, but that's a really important part of the social justice. Thank you. And yeah, on that note, climate change well, gives everyone lots of opportunity to get involved, to work together, to change their ways. What opportunities are you most excited about? If we can get ourselves to a net zero society, we could be living in a cleaner, greener, quieter, healthier, more, diver more biodiverse, more equal world that would be a nicer place for everybody to live. And that's one aspect. But another thing is on the, the sort of industrial and the business opportunities that if we continue to pursue fossil fuels, we'll end up with stranded assets and, and um, the business opportunities will wither. But as those wither, there are many opportunities for um, both net zero technology, um, but also for you know, someone who can crack direct air carbon capture has a massive business opportunity waiting for them. Um, and those, those opportunities to get ahead of the curve and be the nations that are selling these to other people. And yeah, Exeter's a really switched on city when it comes to um, looking at moving towards net zero and being a, being a green net zero city and, and just try to aggregate that, those skills and businesses here and I really celebrate that. And on that um, local scale, what can churches, what can local community groups, what can schools do to tackle climate change and get involved with everything that's going on? <laughs> There's lots of things that we can do as sort of individuals and as, and as small collectives. And I think the thing is not to be overwhelmed and think because you can't do everything, it's not worth doing anything. So the first thing actually is to talk about it and to care about it. And that's when I've tried to sort of speak to different groups of people, I've said, well, yeah, use your voice, use your vote. But for different people, you know, some, some people may be able to cycle everywhere. Other people may be able to invest in insulating their home and switching it, um, you know, putting in a heat pump. And those may not be the same groups of people. So do, do what you can do, 
Um, with churches, there's things about their own built estate, but there's also things about their investments as well, which can, can be um, made more climate friendly. And I think the education in a constructive way that isn't just about doom and gloom, um, but also about the society you want to live in when you grow up and your part in that is a really positive thing. And yeah, Penny, you're um, a member of Exeter Cathedral. How does your faith play a part in your desire to help tackle climate change? I certainly see my faith as part of actually everything I do, you know, everything I do in my life, everything I do in my job. I think we are set to be good stewards. Um, one of the reasons I like being a scientific civil servant is the civil service values of impartiality and integrity and doing things for the public good. The Met Office values are totally aligned, you know, being a force for good, living and breathing it, being experts by nature, they're all part of our value set um, that are shared very strongly by, by all of our staff. Um, and I actually see my position as as one of great privilege in often having a platform to speak about this to people and be able to go beyond what I can do as an individual um, with sharing that. So I do take the trouble to speak um, in faith situations as well when I'm invited to. That's great. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would like to share with other people? Perhaps just to say that um, the coverage of COP is a real opportunity just to get engaged with one aspect of climate change and its solutions that you might not previously have done. So it can, certainly when it was in the UK, it was sort of very wall to wall. But if you don't have time to do all of it, just again, looking at one thing um, and educating yourself a little bit more and then talking to one friend um, is a step in, in the right direction. That's really good advice. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Penny.